Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure, nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Mike Morrow, Ron Hayes, Jason Loftus, and Mark Raycroft. Thanks for tuning in. All right, welcome to the podcast, guys. I'm doing a little something different this time. Uh, Kelly Elmer is joining me today, and we're actually on our way home from from Colorado. Um, We came out this weekend for a long weekend to go chase some elk, and we'll get into that a little bit more here in a minute. But um, thought we'd do kind of a in-the-field podcast and talk about some of the experiences that we had this weekend and taking advantage of an opportunity to get back out in the field because of some other things that that happened. Kelly and I were planning on originally going up to Anchorage, Alaska together and to photograph moose. And unfortunately up there, it seems to be, for those of you that follow along, it seems to be the year that Alaska's just not meant to be for me. Um, And Kelly was with me on that trip when I actually um, caught COVID and had to quarantine there in Alaska and was unfortunate to miss some of the bear activity that we went up there for. But um, we were supposed to go back up and spend some time in Anchorage photographing moose with some color in that, the post-rut, if you will. Uh, we we it changed our mind. The season up there ended a little bit early, and uh, we decided that since we canceled that trip that we would come out in the field and try to take advantage of it and get some more rut activity. So, anyways, welcome, Kelly. Um, it's always fun to hang out with you. Uh, I think, you know, you and I, have a very similar mindset on how we shoot and it's makes it easy for us to get out in the field and shoot together but uh how did you think this weekend went it was fun yeah we we uh you never know what to expect at the last minute when you make changes and kind of the end of the rut so we couldn't stay home we had to go shoot something and <laughs> and uh we just ended up having a pretty good time got lucky on a couple of shoots a couple of times apart you know times of the day and end up being a productive thing yeah i've it's funny just a side note i've 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 often came back to to colorado the first weekend in october and from my past experience doing so i've never ever really regretted doing so i've always had you know some kind of a good encounter um found a unique bull or you know had a unique situation unfold so again to me it's just an example of trying to take advantage of you know as much time as you can to get out in the field and just be out there it's hard to have those experiences when you're sitting on the couch so sometimes it's tough to leave you know it it takes a little bit of commitment to just get out the door and get on the get on the trip but i think in all the trips we've been on there's only been maybe one time where we came back and weren't happy with what we what happened right right yeah and and just kind of a side note right maybe talk a little bit about the crazy little trips that we do because we live close together and we have similar schedules so we're able to get out but we'll just make a decision right to just jump into the jump in the car the truck and drive all night drive all night and go somewhere like jackson for example and try to photograph moose in the winter and come home the same day right well we've had some great days up there just 24 hour shoots that have turned out great yeah exactly pretty lucky in some ways but never would have happened if we hadn't been there right Right. No, I, and I, I love that. I love the fact that you feel the same way about getting out and being able to just take advantage of those opportunities. And like you said, I'm, I'm blown away. We're very, we're very lucky that 
<laughs> most of the time it's panned out pretty good. And I can only think of, like you said, the one time when it really just, you know, it was still a great time to get out. We still got some shots, but it just wasn't quite what we were hoping, right? But, yeah. So we got here to Colorado, um, and we're trying to find some elk, and we're fortunate enough to get into some pretty good activity. And we just had, like, one of the most amazing mornings in the elk woods that I've ever personally had. Um, would you would you agree with that? Yeah, I don't think anything's compared to a single morning or a, sh- a shooting opportunity for any any kind of wildlife. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe just go into it a little bit, Kelly. Like you know, from your perspective, you know, how did that morning unfold, and and you know, maybe get into some of the why it was such an amazing morning, and you know, the different situations and that that led led to that. Well, we got up and we're in the in this meadow at first light, kind of waiting for the sun to come up, and did a got our binoculars out and looked around to kind of see what options we had, and there were very few options. We we found one, you know, fairly young bull with a few cows. You know, we knew the light was going to be wrong because the light was coming up behind him, but we just sat up or set up and just stood there and waited, and. Um, Probably there for what thirty minutes, probably. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, thirty minutes or so, and uh, the sun started to come up, and and then out of the blue, just for no rhyme or reason, uh, most of the cows in the whole meadow, and they were they were they were spread out all over the meadow. You could see them, you know, five hundred yards one direction and as many yards another direction, and all of a sudden, all the, the cows from these small groups just started coming to where we were. And slowly, one at a time, they all just came up over the hill right at us, right into this clump of aspen trees. And right behind them was the herd bull with them. Sun came up just about that time. And they all, you know, all these bulls gave us great looks as they came over this ridge. We're just sitting there with our prime lenses. We're just waiting for them to come up. And they all gave us good looks. And then all heck broke loose. You get that many bulls together with all these cows and and uh, they, um, there were fights all over the place. The sun came up. The sun was right in our face. But one thing I forgot to mention is, is uh, when we first came into the valley, there was a big layer of fog. And so the humidity was really high. And we were about 30, between 32 and 34 degrees. And so the, the, the steam and the breath coming off these bulls was just, like it was coming off their bodies from the heat. And it was coming out of their mouths as they bugled. And it was just... It was like, as Jason mentioned, it was like a bunch of dragons breathing. <laughs> and they all came together and just were fighting like crazy. And we were we were set up in a really good spot. We, everything was backlit, but the, the looks we were getting was very, very unique. I don't think I've ever had that kind of a look before with with the, the breath and the fog and the strong backlight. And it, it was really overwhelming because you had so many bulls. And he had, he had like, we had three or four shooting lanes and, and viewpoints to where we could pick, but and stuff was moving in and out like crazy. Light was changing, a very dynamic situation, and it was, it was, it was kind of overwhelming. And I, I wish we had a video, or I wish we had an audio of Jason as he was talking to me as this was going on. It was, <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> we were burning through cards like crazy and, and shot that for probably 20, 30 minutes. And then as the elk moved, uh, as, as the sun moved a little bit, and as the elk moved out of that scene, they, you know, the fighting was continuing. There was probably, I don't know, 
every minute we'd have there's would be a major battle between two big bulls. Right. You could hear them and you could hear them back in the trees. In the quakies, up, yeah, right? just yeah. crashing and stuff breaking and it was just amazing. Every, you know, you'd have probably had a dozen bulls in there at the same time and they're all screaming at each other and bugling and and then after shoot we just slowly moved around to the other side where the sun was at our back and over the course of the next hour and a half all these bulls slowly came out of the timber right into us with the you know they're the cows that they had kind of been fighting for and we probably shot till 10 30 got a little cloud cover and we could have had a portion of that and been tickled with this trip but to have that to have that morning was, and, and that wasn't our only experience. We had some other good opportunities too. But, but as far as you know, one one epic opportunity, you know, I don't I don't know I've ever experienced anything like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I I think you hit the nail on the head with the. To me, what was so amazing about it was just the variety that we had all in one scenario, in one setting, and you know, we had just talked the night before. Like one of the fun things about coming, this you know a little bit later in the rut, towards the tail of the end of the rut is the chance for some snow or some cooler weather, some of that backlit breath type stuff, right? And we sat and talked about it'd be kind of cool. Hopefully we get some breath, but you just got to have the right conditions come together for it to to really pan out. And then for that to all unfold the way it did is was just incredible. I mean, you couldn't have asked. I, I personally never experienced that type of situation where it was just so perfect with the dark background the perfect spot where they elk were with all the steam and the breath going off and the and the perfect backlight it wasn't too harsh it was just perfect and about that you're right i just couldn't shut up and uh, the other thing i was surprised about too is there was other photographers around and it really was only you know myself and kelly and one other person that was kind of in the area that stayed and kind of took advantage of those those conditions you know and i just as a side note i mean to me it's when you, when you see something like that unfolding in the field, in my opinion, you're best to just forget about the other stuff that you can get every day, you know, the normal lighting conditions, and take advantage of every single second you can of those very unique type of lighting situations. Um, and we had probably every single bowl. There was probably eight bowls in there that were all really nice bowls, and every one of them came into that little window and gave us, you know, really unique looks of that, you know, unique lighting situation with the, what I call dragon breath, right? Fire, fire breathing dragons were amongst us, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty cool, and not just from a photography standpoint. I mean, it was at first, it's you're almost tempted to, to just look above your viewfinder and just watch the whole thing because I'm sure there's little tidbits of things that were going on that we missed because we were in our viewfinders and trying to find the scene we wanted to capture. But it was it was pretty cool. And I don't care if it wasn't, not from just a photographer's standpoint, but I've spent a lifetime in the outdoors doing all kinds of activities, and I've never seen anything as intense as that. Right. With that, with that kind of wildlife all together. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I'm glad you said that because there was a, a point where right before we left to, to get a different angle and get some different lighting, we, you know, I, I remember we kind of did just kind of sit there and just enjoy it for a minute and just couldn't believe we had that experience and kind of thought we might have missed the opportunities on the other the other side of the quakes where the light was different. And then we, when we went over there and just, <laughs> you know, bulls coming out of the shadows and the lighting was just so perfect that you were just getting great colors and, you know, the aspens in the background, which is, is kind of hard to come by. The you colors know? are phenomenal over here right now. Oh, it was, it's amazing. It was, yeah, it really helped out on a lot of the background stuff we were looking for. Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
Yeah, one of those one of those mornings for the record books, and I can honestly say it's probably the best morning or best day to be honest. And we, you know, we didn't really end up having much else happen that day, but the best day of photography in the Elkwoods, and not just photography, like Kelly said, just the best kind of experience in the Elkwoods with all the all the stuff that was going on, how intense it was. So, feel pretty fortunate to be able to have those kind of experiences for sure. And we actually talked about that a little bit too, as far as you know, I, I I really wish people could get out and have those experiences and see, you know, the elk, not just elk, but a lot of different animals. But the elk red is just such a unique thing, and everybody that's listening to the show knows that it's one of my favorite. It is probably my favorite time of the year and favorite thing to photograph because of those kind of situations that we come across. But, but yeah, so now we're, uh, we, we ended up hanging out and ended up um, hanging out with some friends that came and met up with this. Um, had some good times that way, shared some meals with some people, and now we're heading home. But, um, but yeah, it's th- thanks, Kelly, for being willing to go on these crazy little adventures with me, you know. It'd be boring to going alone. So <laughs> uh, I don't dare miss one of our last-minute things because they've been so productive. Right. have <laughs> you know, had some great shoots, great opportunities. We have, for sure. And, and most of them have been last minutes. Nothing we planned six months ahead. It's just like, you know, something fell through. and. Yep. Let's just get in the car and go. Yep. Oh, and, and to that point, I'm glad you said that because this one wasn't planned because the anchorage fell through. And so last minute we were able to get a hotel reservation, you know, and it was a little more than we wanted to spend for sure. But it's one of those things where if you want to go, you you know, you just got to, you know, accept the accept the cost to be there, so to speak. But that morning made the whole trip, all the expense, everything worth it. So. And we had, we had at least three or four other really, really good opportunities where we probably have a couple images we're happy with too so yeah. it ended up being really a good deal yeah yeah for sure talk a little bit about you know your photography career if you will if you want to call it that but kind of what what got you into photography how did you start into photography you know how did it become a passion for you oh probably when i was a, many years ago my dad i'm the oldest of eight kids and he, he uh, picked up a second job and he just picked up a camera it was a minolta srt 101 back in the day and he started taking weddings and uh for people and uh, i grew up in portland oregon so that we you know i as a kid i was the oldest kid and so he needed a second pair of hands and so i was the one that went with him and i've always been blessed or cursed with a little bit of ocd and i was always better at straightening the dresses and all those kinds of things and so i would pack and carry and fix things and, and that's how i got interested in it initially and then as I got a little older, I got one of his hand-me-down cameras, which was that SRT-101. And then in high school, because I knew how to use a camera, I, I shot, some, shot a bunch of sports and shot for the yearbook just for fun in between some of the athletic seasons that I participated in. And then um, didn't have a lot of money back then, and uh, so most of what I had was hand-me-down. And um, then I... Uh, Got into college and uh, shot sports for the university, and shot at a job on campus where we provided all of the all of the uh, academic photography work, the slides and everything that they used back then for uh, the professors. And so I had a lot, many hours in a dark room. I loved shooting sports. I, was, I loved sports as a kid, and so I, I really that was my first love was shooting at sports, football, all that basketball, that kind of soccer and stuff. And um, I ended up majoring in photography, but realized pretty quick that uh, it, it probably wasn't going to work to support my family. So I doubled majored and got a, a 
second degree in electrical engineering. And uh, that's what I basically did professionally uh, owned a company that did electrical kinds of things and that's how I provided for my family and I always had a camera and then somewhere in between there they changed from the old film stuff and went to digital and I kind of got left behind a bit because I'm in the, you know I was in the middle of most of my outdoor adventures were hunting trips and and uh, that was my main focus for my free time mm-hmm. but I knew that back in, my, in the back of my mind once my Children were raised and out of college. At one point, I had four kids in college. And so once I got them all out of college, my present to myself was a 600 Prime. And I've kind of jumped into the wildlife gig ever since then. It's kind of been my passion. Right, right. Yeah, I think, if I remember right, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but we met in Yellowstone, didn't we, when we were My very first trip. Right. Yeah, my very first trip, I just got my, I just barely had got my my, uh, Nikon D810, and my two to five hundred, and it, I, I got a reservation for a campground in in uh, one of the campgrounds there, and I just I'd never been to Yellowstone in my life. It was my very first time, and I just was out bound to determined to find some critters to take pictures of. <laughs> and I ran into you and a couple guys, and you know, we'd, it was a it was a fun fun day. I learned a lot that trip, and you know the the. Part of the, I know you guys have talked about this before, but part of the, one of the things about this whole photography thing, wildlife thing particularly that we do is, is uh, the people you meet. You know, for the most part, it's you meet some great guys, great people, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, lifelong friends. It's been fun to, and I'm, I've I'm a lot better photographer today, um, a wildlife photographer because of that. You know, we I think I think collectively we shorten the learning curve for each other and. And everybody has a different perspective and has learned things through trial and error. And it's, it's they, you know, everyone's very willing to share. And it's kind of made it a lot easier. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm glad you said that, too. I I was thinking about that on this trip, actually. And it's funny because, you know, I watch watch you doing your thing in the field and while I'm doing my thing. And, you know, you see maybe you get up and move something. You know, you're seeing something different. And it always it's kind of funny because it's like, Oh, what's he seeing from that perspective, you know? And <laughs> yeah, but but for the most part, you know, the group of people we shoot with, you know, we pay attention to what's going on, but it's not a, un- uncommon for us to not to just be watching what's unfolding and all of us end up in the same spot, right? You know, because you kind of over time, as you mature as a photographer and kind of have an idea of what you want, you, you kind of see a scene before it opens, before it actually transpires. So you're, you want to be there. Right. And there's been many times we've been bumping into each other, looking <laughs> looking opposite directions because we're all headed the same place. Right, know? yeah. Or you just kind of get there and you're not, like it's not like you're following each other, you just end up in the same place. Yeah, no, not right. at all. Right. No, it's, 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 it's more about a perspective and background. Right. We're all trying to, looking for a similar kind of a thing that is kind of the thing we like to do. Yeah, instead of just taking pictures, you're trying to, <laughs> You know, uh, look for the scene that you want. Look, create the shot you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's too cool. Yeah, it was funny meeting you that day in Yellowstone, and uh, yeah, we have talked about that a lot. But that's this is another one of those friendships for me that's just blossomed from photography. And you know, I, I don't, I don't. There's not many other guys that are willing to go on these quick little crazy trips with me. So. Well, there were years, <laughs> the years that I would have liked to have done it, but you know, I'm, I'm in a position because of my age and work and history and I raised my family so it's yeah it's kind of my thing you know I like to do it my my wife's very supportive yeah for the most part yeah <laughs> <laughs> what I tell her <laughs> there, there may have been some bribes for this one you no know, there's always there's always a bribe <laughs> usually her bribes come in a 
large form at the first of the year to carry me through the rest of the year. I got you. Know, you. I got you. That's that's my pattern of compensation. For <laughs> <laughs> stay out of the doghouse. That's funny. I love it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Kelly, for those of you who don't follow Kelly, Kelly's Wildlife is his Instagram page, and um, is it the same on Facebook? No, no, but, it's not. But it's, you don't, it's, you don't, it's you don't share. I you share your. I just do Instagram I've, photos on Instagram. Yeah, right? I've, I've, I don't have. I've, I have a tough time sitting down and editing. I'd rather be out shooting. Right, right. Yeah, no. And what I was gonna say is that Kelly's just kind of quietly back there doing his thing. He doesn't really, you know, put his stuff really out there in everybody's face. And I think that's partly because he does it again for himself. He does it for. Um, you know the enjoyment of being out and the camaraderie with friends, and um, it's it's he has great work. He's got a very good eye. He's got really good quality work. Um, I'm trying to get him to post more often and edit some more photos, but he. Uh <laughs> well, my my commitment to my you know another another sidebar is a few years ago, you know most most of my kids have have some kind of talent or develop some. They're all different and they all have their own thing. But we had a my youngest daughter had a. A get together a senior thing and they were talking about talents and everyone goes you know they're talking about what they do their mother has talents and they've got talents and somebody made a comment about what my talent as their father was and they all kind of couldn't come up with anything and then I, I guess owning a business and raising a family they didn't see the points of that until now they do because they're older and getting married and having their own family so they understand but yeah and so what I did just for fun is that following year I just spent a year taking landscape photos do going around, made it a conscious effort, and then published a calendar and gave it to them. And they they didn't believe they were my photos at first, and <laughs> and then the next year I had to publish a hundred because friends and family got wind of it, and and then it was not too long after that when I was able to justify buying the six hundred prime, and then I jumped into wildlife, which is really my love. I've been chasing critters all over North America for thirty five, forty years, and so I I knew the day would come when I would put down one weapon of some kind and pick up a camera and that's kind of where i am yeah yeah yes yeah, so and, and actually a side note yeah i've learned more about wildlife behavior in the last four or five years of serious wildlife photography than i did in 40 years of hunting them right right no we've yeah. talked about that before too for sure and it's just a matter of function of spending so much time with them right i mean you yeah. get to see them in the in the quote-unquote off-season um, and you it, get to learn so much about them. And you're observing right. a lot more. You, you'll spend hours sitting there waiting for something to happen or waiting for them to stand up and waiting for them to interact where, you know, when you're doing other stuff, you're not so much doing looking for that. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, you also do some, uh, and it's, and I think you'd only do it, it's really, I don't know, you're, you're the kind of guy that intrigues me because of the way you approach things. You're very analytical. You're very, like you said, a little bit of OCD on some things, in a very positive way, in my opinion. But um, when you want to learn something, you just dig in and you figure out what you got to do to learn it, and you dial it in to a perfection. And I think you've done the same thing with some portrait stuff and some lighting things and that for just to, not for a business standpoint, but just to um, try to, you know, take photos of your own family and things of that nature, right? Yeah, to some degree, I, people frustrate me. I, you know, <laughs> I'd rather take a picture of a critter, you know, than yeah. Than uh, man, my grandkids are kind of slowly becoming a popular target too. But <laughs> I can only get twenty minutes out of them, and then they, so I got to be pretty efficient for the twenty minutes. But yeah, my my dad when he when he did wedding photography, he was he was pretty good at it, but he was self-taught, and and I always noticed some some things that could be better, and then 
through the photography instruction I got in college, you know, they spend a, a huge amount of time on lighting and all the different forms of lighting. And, and that's been a very dynamic thing over the years as technology's changed and, and the wireless stuff happens. And, and I, you know, it's just, it's just my makeup. I just wanted to do it right and make it look right. And, and I, only, I, I only do those kinds of things for family and close personal friends. I've got two nephews that have yet to be married, and those would probably be my last two weddings I ever do because of that. But I just, I just, I just, I just like being able to capture something and have it look right and look really good and very natural. And you know, you, you never, no one ever sees the thousands of images that look like garbage and that you never <laughs> yeah. use, right? Right. And all they see is the finished product. And they don't realize that that might be five years of work or five years of training and a bunch of money to get the right tech to to make it easier. And my my wife is very patient because she'll she'll. Uh, She's my, my person that holds my, my off-camera stuff, off-camera flashes and things. And mm-hmm. or when, you know, I got, I've, I've got six son-in-laws or daughter-in-laws now, and so they've all become, a few of those have become my slaves, as it were. <laughs> it costs me. I've got to compensate them somehow. But, right. you know, it's all in good fun. We, yeah. But, I, you know, I just, I just like the whole, I, there's probably very little about photography I haven't had some experience with that I really enjoy. Right. And it's just, but, but the only time I do those kinds of things is when I can't be out shooting wildlife of some kind right one of one of the seasons of the year that i always look forward to <laughs> elk or sheep or deer or whatever yeah yeah is there is there no is there such thing as an off season for photography you know uh, no I mean, not really i my my wife wishes there was i think <laughs> i think that's a common theme with all of our wives to be honest with yeah. <laughs> yeah no that's that's neat i've seen some of your portrait stuff you've been willing to share with me in that and uh, you do great work there too, and it, one of the things I enjoy about these trips is, you know, depending on where we're headed, we're in the car um, driving and have just lots of time to talk to each other and talk about things and talk about tech and talk about um, different things. And I know I've learned a lot just hanging with you and chatting with you because you've done so much research on things. And one of the things I can think about, for example, is like just some of the technology with the new sensors and then color color technology and understanding color better and all those kinds of things but uh yeah I, that's been fun for me and it's a, something that's benefited me just you know tagging along and hanging out with you is asking you some of those cool questions but and it's, it goes both ways I mean, it's the same way when it, you know when i first you know, when we first met you guys saved me all kinds of heartache with <laughs> trying to figure the electronic stuff out but yeah it's all it's all it's a lot it's part of the fun it and is just, and it's part of the if you want to be successful and really be in a position and be ready to capture a moment you really have to understand your tools yeah and you really need to understand that and that's trial and error is one thing but boy you can there's i know people that you know they, they've done this their whole life but it's you really got to be doing it right your whole life you know and it really helps to have people around you and not be shy about asking questions and sharing information and and uh it, it, it think it benefits everybody right yeah no i totally agree um, yeah, so I th- I think I got one more question for you, um, and I think it's one that we ask almost every guest that we have on, and it, it, to me it's a kind of a fun one. It's not an easy one to answer, but it's definitely a fun one to kind of hear from different folks. But what what if you had to pick one, and maybe I'll even let you do two if you have a couple, but one of your favorite outdoor encounters or experiences, it could be with photography or not, but... What is that one thing that just jumps to the front of your mind? 
That's a tough question. <laughs> I, I had the opportunity <clears throat> uh, in my younger days. I, I've had a half a dozen trips up into the Northwest Territories, the Yukon, those places that were three-week trips. So I'd go up and do some hunting and looking for animals and stuff. And mm -hmm. the adventure, the whole, the whole idea of getting there, you know, flying to a location, getting on a float plane and flying to a location, getting on a horse and riding for 12 hours, then setting up camp and riding another four or five hours. You know, I've, I've, I've had, I did, and over the course of the, that time, just having some great experiences with bears and moose, every, every, every major critter in North America I, I've seen, uh, except for a polar bear and a muskox. So the only two I haven't seen it personally, I've seen everything else wow. that they have up there. And, uh, just just the weather and getting there and experiences with horses and and proximity to to moose and bears and elk and caribou and all those kinds of things i i, I can't pin down which trip was the favorite but right. but that 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 idea of going to a very as most uh, the most remote remote thing place you can think of and in the back of your mind thinking that no one's ever been there but there probably somebody probably has at some point but right but uh, just the remoteness and the beauty of, beauty of it, and and just you know, there's just there's so many so many things that we never get to experience and get to see. Right. Well, and the solitude too, right? I mean, you get up there in that big big country, and you feel like a a lot more insignificant. I'm sure. Never see another person <laughs> except right. except who you're traveling with. You know, yeah. maybe one other person. Yeah. That's and yeah, it, it's it was that's probably that's those are the, probably the memories I have the most. Um, and then maybe because they were the toughest. I mean, a lot of miles hiking and, you know, just a lot of time saving up money to be able to afford it and a lot of travel time. And, you know, just you never know what's going to happen around the corner. You know, you're living, living very primitively for three weeks. Yeah. You know, cutting firewood every night and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. And if something goes wrong, you're you're a long <clears throat> ways from any kind of uh, attention. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah you, you pretty much need to figure it out on your own if there's a problem right. so the preparation most of those trips i'd plan two to three years in advance and so you have fitness and equipment and training and you know yeah. familiarizing yourself with thing tools and uh just part of the experience right uh, that's cool yeah but but i wish i wish back in the day you know it was a it was a i was there for a purpose but i mean some of the things i saw in every every single trip i went on Mm -hmm. Every single one, mm -hmm. I wish I'd had a camera, my 600 Prime and a camera where I could have captured some of the stuff I saw. I can only know. imagine. Yep. But back in the day, that wasn't an option. The weight and the kinds of things we're doing, I just could not do it. You can't do both. Right. But but I, I, a lot of those things are imprinted in my brain, you know. Right. And so I'll, I'll never forget them. But I, I really wish that I'd had, had uh, cameras. Like, you know, we talked about, I told you that one time about that big valley in the Northwest Territories I came into. Yep. And there was nothing but f big moose paddles, <laughs> sheds everywhere. I mean, probably 40 of them. That's wild. And, and obviously this group of moose had been in there, and that's where they would shed every spring. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I got, I got a picture of um, them. Um, how about half of them were buckheads, I'll bet. It was just unbelievable. Wow. I'll never forget that as long as they live. And there's no way I could take them out, any of them, because we were so, cause we were so strapped for weight. Right. But I did cut off a few tines off a couple of the big ones and brought them home and used them for knife handles or those kinds of things just uh, to keep as a memento. That's cool. But, 
Yeah, people don't understand. I mean, you said it's a weight restriction thing, right? When you do a trip like that, that's the other aspect of it that makes it interesting, I think, is that you're very limited on what you can actually bring because of weight limitations. Because the float planes. Right, right. Cubs or whatever you're flying in. Yeah. And so to take a moose paddle out, even just one moose paddle, if it's a big one, now I can weigh, what, 20, 25 pounds, maybe even more? Yeah, no, probably more, a little bit. More, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, though, back then, it, back then a shed was a shed. Right. Nowadays, I'd be, you know, almost think about paying an extra flight <laughs> because of how much, how crazy the whole shed things become. Right. You know, they're actually worth quite a bit of money. Oh, yeah. my my buddy, they they sell the they sell the shed hunting rights on their private ranch for more than they do their deer hunting rights. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's that says a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But you know, I bet that was that was a long time ago. But yeah. I, but it was that was one of those things will be imprinted in my brain. You know, I'll never forget that right, when right. I coming across over that. Over that hill, up into up, it's a it was it was a upper valley up in the base. We we're actually looking for doll sheep, is what we were looking for. Uh-huh. Came over there and then boom, here's all these paddles. I mean, it was just it blew me away. I bet. At what time of year was that? Was uh, it in the fall? No, that yeah, it was fall. It was. Uh, we were up there from the third week of September until the first week of October. Wow. So it really was um, like I'm sure there was some color. Oh man! Right, and oh. you see the white paddles sitting there. I can get this vision in my head. Right, yeah. no, it was it was pretty cool. And, and you know, the, a third of the paddles were all fresh. They were just the drops oh, from that year. Really. And because of the weather and stuff up there, a lot of them weren't really chalky. It's not like out in the desert. You know how when you come across like in Utah, uh-huh. you find one that's been there for a year or two, not shaded. They're all chalky and white. Right. These very few of these were like that. They all were pretty brown had they, they had, had a lot of moisture in them because of the just the location and and um I, I'm, but 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 that was it was it was pretty cool yeah no yeah and i'm sure you wish you could have taken a picture but to your point that's a memory that you'll never forget but, yeah huh cool well thanks man i appreciate you taking the time to chat with me um i was you know we were going to try to do one in the field in the field and then we just had a bunch of different things come up where we couldn't do it like why we were in in the area that we were shooting elk in but um still driving home right now and um appreciate you taking the time to again go on these crazy adventures with me and um i think we already mentioned but just tell everybody where they can go and see your work and um well i have, I have a few things i post on kelly's wildlife kelly's underscore wildlife on instagram that's that has that's a pretty, the place. pretty good representation of some of my stuff right I heard you might even be starting a TikTok account here pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrong rumor. Where'd you hear that from? Um, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't do TikTok. One social like, media is enough. Right? I appreciate. I do appreciate you though. <laughs> filtering. You're my TikTok filter. You filter all the stuff and send me the, the funny dad jokes. I get a kick out of those. Yeah. I'll be sitting in front of the TV when you send them to me, and I'll be laughing my head off. And my wife goes, "What are you laughing at?" <laughs> <laughs> so that was just one of Jason's TikTok things he forwarded me. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, I love the dad jokes. My mom, I love my mom to death. She's got some of the corniest, uh, you know, dorky, in a very positive way, jokes. And I just love her to death for it. And so she, she's kind of implanted that into me. And <laughs> I, I'm glad that somebody else can appreciate it, too. So. Yeah, a sense of humor is a big deal. I mean, yeah, I think you, you live longer and you'll enjoy things. It's just, you know, you need to learn to laugh. Right. That thing, that's Absolutely. Cool, man. Well, Kelly, thank you very much. And uh, I'm sure we'll do another one of these at some point because we spend so much time in the field together. So, 
Thanks, brother. Have it's a been good. fun. Yeah. Until yeah. next time. All right, bud. Talk to you later. Bye. You've been listening to the Wild and Exposed podcast. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating and a review. And make sure you're subscribed so that you'll get every episode we produce as soon as we drop it. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We're gonna make it someday. Nothing's gonna get in our way. We will be the biggest band in time.